Okay. Now can you hear me? Okay. Now I don't have to speak quite as loud. Okay, so this morning. Uh, what's important you need to know about this morning is that Jesus walking on the water, which comes right after this sermon, and I'll be preaching on next week, they have a lot to do with each other. And you'll find out why next week. Okay, but, but you need to know that that um, we're not going to answer all our questions today, but um, it's the feeding of the 5,000. And I'm preaching this morning because um, Andrew B. and his family, they are out camping, right? They're out camping. And Andrew sent me a picture, a couple of pictures back. And here's the thing. I know where they are. And I thought, what if... I put a sign-up sheet out front, and we all signed up, and we went, like, with 20 or 30 of us, and we met him at the campground. <laughs> and, and we set up camp right next to him, okay? We, we could do that. I'm thinking that would be a good thing, right? Did they all come in? All right. So there, there's the family, right? So they think they're going on vacation. That's great. But don't you think they'd just love it if a bunch of us showed up? And then we could ask Andrew, and we could say to Andrew, Andrew, would you preach for us? And maybe you could, maybe you could do some teaching for us. And I bet Aaron would love it. And I bet the kids would love it. And I bet Andrew would love it. Now, I bring that up for a reason. We're not really going to do that, okay? We're not really. There's not going to be a sign-up sheet, so don't come to me and say, where's that sign-up sheet, Stuart? Okay, it's not going to happen. But it's important. This is the closest I could come to explaining how this all begins with the feeding of 5,000. Okay, so let's read the text. And here's, here's what it says. Oh, now it came in. Okay, so there's, there's all of us with Andrew. Okay. <laughs> And I thought, I thought you might like that, okay? So here's the, um, here's the next slide. So we're going we're gonna to put this all together. So the apostles returned to Jesus. I, I want to pause there and say, earlier in chapter 6, Jesus had sent the apostles out two, in groups of two. And this is really important. When he sent them out, He gave them authority to cast out demons, but he said this. He said, take no bread with you and take no money. I want you to say it with me so we don't forget. Take no and take no. That's really important in this this scene, okay? So the apostles are are, are out. They're coming back. They're probably tired. They've They've been working, and it hasn't always been good. The last time Jesus went out, to his hometown, it was not good. They did not like him. They thought he was kind of arrogant. Who's he? And they come back. They've been preaching. And they told him, Jesus, all that they had done taught. And Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a lonely place. And you can see Andrew there in a lonely place, okay? He's at the campsite. Come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest for a while. That's what they want to do. For many were coming and going, 
and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a lonely place by themselves. So they're getting away. Okay, that's what we have to understand. They're getting away. They come back to report to Jesus. Everybody's there. They don't even have time to eat. Jesus says, all right, guys, let, let's just, let's all go away, okay, and, and uh, have, some, have some time for ourselves. Now, many saw, saw them going and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So the people are going the long way around the lake. Jesus and his disciples are going from point A to point B, which, is, you know, is the shortest distance. But the, the people are running all the way around the lake and, uh, to get to be with Jesus. And you have to remember, Jesus is going on a little vacation with his disciples. And the whole church is going to show up. You see why I think we should go see Andrew? It's a biblical thing. So if we all show up, we can say, yeah, but Stuart showed us in the scriptures, Andrew, where this actually happens. So rejoice and be glad. Now, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd because they had all ran. They ran. He saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And it's really important that word were there. It's, a, it's a, a verb of to be, and it can be translated differently, and I think it should be translated differently. So this is the way I think that should, it should be translated. They existed. They existed like sheep. So I want to show you one more picture here and ask you what this is. What is that a picture of? It's a picture of sheep existing. You know how sheep exist? They go out of their pen, they eat, they poop, they go back to the pen. That's sheep existing. It's just what they do. You know what we've done during the season of COVID? We've kind of existed. There's a lot of people who have just kind of existed, right? They go out with a mask, they quickly get through a store, they run back into their house, and they're safe. And we think, wow, it's kind of like us. Maybe some of you, even before COVID, felt like, you know, my life is just existing. I go to work, I work, I come back, I rest, I get up, I go to work, I rest, I come back. It's just, it's the repetition. Maybe we think about people who who are in nursing homes or in shut-ins. If you've ever done visitation with people who are shut in or, or in nursing homes, you think, yeah, what's their life like? They kind of just exist if they don't have a shepherd. People who have a shepherd don't just exist. It's really interesting uh, during this COVID season, Bonnie and I went down to Georgia. My mom lives uh, just in, the, in Atlanta, basically, really. And um, we went to see her, and I gave her a hug. And she said, it, Stuart, she said, it's so good to give somebody a hug. I haven't hugged anybody for a year. Right? Just kind of existing. But she wasn't just existing. She had a shepherd. My father, 
shortly before Bonnie and I were engaged, she was in Africa as a missionary, and, and you supported her. You were some of the supporters. But my father was in a car accident, and he was in a coma for two years, a deep coma for two years. We could have driven a nail through his foot, and he wouldn't have felt it. And it was tempting to think, you know, he's just existing. That's all, he's just existing. Sometimes I think about my own life. And I'll joke with people, and I'll say, my life is composed of three chairs. I sit in the upstairs chair, that's where I read and watch TV. I sit in a chair down at our kitchen table, and that's where I work, read, and eat. My third chair is out on the deck. And it's tempting to think that all I do is exist. But I know better. I know I have a shepherd. I know that I have a community. And you are part of that. And I don't exist because because you're here in my life. And my father didn't just exist in that bed because more people than you can imagine came to visit him. And people in nursing homes, if they're part of a community, if they have a shepherd, then they don't. They're, then they're not alone, and they do serve a purpose because they give us the opportunity to share the love of Christ. They give us the opportunity to love them, and how important is that? I have a shepherd, and my shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures, meaning I'm, I have a community that I'm, I'm loved, that loves me. My shepherd restores my soul. I don't just exist. And when we have a shepherd, we should know that we don't just exist, although we may feel like it. Jesus sees 5,000 people. Men, that's only men. If you include the women and children, maybe there's 10,000 people there. And they're just existing. And can you imagine what is in his heart? When he sees people who are just there, they're just, I mean, get the, try to get the picture. You know, sheep all over, they're just kind of wandering. And there's 10,000 people, and they're, they're not sitting eager and waiting. They're just like sheep. They're just kind of wandering around. And I can't imagine what's in the heart of Jesus. Some of you know people who are just existing, don't you? They don't have a shepherd. It's just day in and day out. It's the rat race. What's inside of Jesus' heart? Now, the question is, what does Jesus do? When Jesus sees people who are just existing, what does he do? And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they existed like sheep without a shepherd. So my question is, How does one have compassion on people who are just existing? How do you have compassion on people who are just out there, just kind of trying to make it day by day, trying to bring in the paycheck, trying to take care of kids and make sure they get to school on time, make sure they get home, trying to do their homework with them? It's just day in and day out. How do you have compassion? He began to teach. Teaching is compassion. 
And we need to embrace that. We need to realize that when we teach, it's compassionate. And here's why it's compassionate. You know the amazing thing about sheep? Sheep know the shepherd's voice. My daughter, who is in the Middle East, uh, told us about uh, one of the Middle Eastern villages. I know this to be true, but it was really good to hear it from somebody real, somebody alive, somebody who's seen it and not just read it in a book. But the, the, the sheep are all kept like in a community pen at night. All right? So this guy's sheep and this guy's sheep and that guy's sheep, they're all kept in one place. And in the morning, all the sheep are let out and they begin walking down the, 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 town, road, uh, the road in town. And, and the shepherds are in different places. And you know how they separate the sheep? Not by a marker on the sheep. There's no branding. There's no colors put on them. They simply call the sheep. And the sheep that are theirs know their voice, and they go with that shepherd. She says the most remarkable thing you've ever seen. Because you and I would never be able to tell the sheep apart. Shepherds can, I understand. But all they have to do is go, here, sheep. I, I was talking about this, not from this passage, but sheep in, in a different passage at church. And somebody came from the congregation came up to me and said, you know, Stuart, my uncle owns a sheep farm, and that's really true. He said, my cousin and I were out one time, and we did our best to sound just like our uncle. And we got to the, to the hill, and we said, here, sheep, 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 sheep. He said, all the sheep looked up at us, realized it was not the un- their uncle, and they went back to eating. And we could not get them to move. But when my uncle came, and he called the sheep, heads up, and they start moving. So when Jesus teaches, all of a sudden there's a comfort level. All of a sudden the people who are just existing cease to just exist because Jesus begins feeding their soul. Do you see echoes of Psalm 23 here? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside, uh, he leads me into green pastures. So Jesus is teaching He's feeding the sheep, and they are loving it, and they are content. And then the disciples find Jesus, because you remember with Jesus? Uh, Sorry, we have to go back. We skipped forward. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a lonely place. The hour is now late. Who wants to go home? Disciples. Why? Because they're hungry. They have had nothing to eat for quite a while. They're tired. They're ready to go. And then they say, you send them away. You send them away. This is, still doesn't look like it's the right side, um, slide, but um, he says, no, it's not. But Okay. He says, you send them away for this purpose, to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something. I'm sorry, this is not there. And I, I put it in you because that's not in your, in your text. In your text, it probably says, send them away. But in the Greek, it's emphatic. It's an imperative. You send them away, Jesus. It's getting late. You send them away, Jesus. 
And the Greek is called the purpose clause. There's a purpose clause there, which they don't ever translate in the English, but it's there. You send them away, and we'll tell you why. For this purpose, to go into surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. You do this, Jesus. I think that's bold, don't you? Jesus is being told what to do and why he's supposed to do it. And when we get tired and we get hungry and we're worn out, we're feeling a little bit like a sheep without a shepherd, you know what we do? We tend to tell Jesus what to do. And that happens in our prayers. Here's what I want you to do, Jesus, and here's why I want you to do it. So please do it. And if Jesus doesn't do it, then we just say, well, God's not answering my prayer. I don't think he's hearing me. Hmm. So only the disciples said this way. The people know that they're getting fed. The people are being fed. They, and who should know this better than Jesus? Because remember what Jesus said when he was being tempted? Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. These people are being fed, and they know they're being fed. And they, it's late in the day, and they're not moving. They're not moving. It's the disciples. They're getting kind of uppity because they're tired and they're hungry. And they're telling Jesus what to do. Wow. Now, this is what the other thing that they tell Jesus. You send them away for the purpose of going around the countryside to buy. Okay, that's really important. The disciples want Jesus to tell the people, go buy something. And I want you to hear Jesus' response. Jesus' response is this. He says, but he answered them, you give them. You give. Don't buy You give them something to eat. That's what I want you to do. Which is interesting, right? Because remember what Jesus told them when they went out on their missionary tour, two by two? He said, don't take any and no money. Does Jesus know what he's doing? I I think so, right? Because he's... Jesus, (laughs) right? But seriously, he's saying, you give them something to eat? Jesus knows they don't have any bread, and he knows they don't have any money. And they said to him, and you can almost almost see the little swagger, uh, uh, shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread? That's a year's wage, almost a year's wage. I mean, we have to feed 10,000 people, 5,000 men, the text says, but there's women there, too, and there's children. So we've got to buy a year's worth and give it to them to eat. There's almost a sarcasm there. I don't know. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say there's no sarcasm there. They're just, they're just laying out, how are we going to do this? How are we going to buy them something? But Jesus didn't say go buy them something to eat, did he? Jesus said, give them something to eat. They're stuck on by. 
Jesus is saying, give. And so Jesus says this really important uh, piece. And, and by the way, I think this is about as close to an argument as you're ever going to see in the scriptures. Jesus, we're gonna, it's late. You need to send them. And here's why. Jesus says, nope, you go give them something. And they said, okay, well, the problem is we, we just don't have enough money. And then Jesus says to them, And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? He knows they have next to nothing. Because they told them to bring next to nothing, right? In fact, he said, don't bring anything. He says, you go and you see. Again, you're not going to see that in your text, probably. But it's in the Greek text because it's an imperative. The imperative, we don't have that in our language. But it's contained in the, in the verbs of, of the Greek. So he says, you go and you see. And when they found out, they said, and again, you can almost hear the shortness, five and two fish. They're tired and they're hungry. And Jesus simply is not listening. But maybe Jesus is trying to teach them something else. Because the people are being satisfied, right? They're, they're being fed. And they just seem to be absolutely fine with that. But I think right now we're at the teaching point that Jesus wants to make. They've, they've come to the teaching point, and, and the question that we have is, will the disciples pick up on what the teaching point is? And here's what I think the teaching point is. Oops. Oh, sorry. It's a little bit laggy for me. Right there. Jesus' expectations for us are overwhelming and impossible when we look to our own resources. See, Jesus knew they didn't have what he was asking for. And he's hoping that they'll pick up on the fact that they don't have it. They don't have what it takes. Jesus wants us to come to know that we are short of what is required. I don't have it, God. I don't have the patience. I don't have the words. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the experience. I don't have the, what is it that you don't have? When we don't have what it takes, you know what we need? What? Jesus, it's right down the screen. If you can do it, this is one of my favorite saints. If you can do it, God's not in it. Because you can do it. If you can do it, you don't need God. It's not that God doesn't it, it, take joy in it. My son doesn't need me to ride his bike. At one point, he needed me. So I was there for him. And then when he finally learned how to ride his bike, he didn't need me anymore, but I took joy in what he could do. But there are times when Jesus wants us to do things where we know we have to have in him because we know what he's asking. I cannot, he, we cannot do. I can't ride that bike, Dad, not without you. I cannot drive the car, Dad, not without you. I cannot what? And we say that to, to God, don't we? Christ asks us. God calls us to do something. We say, yeah, but I can't. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the patience. I don't have the what is it that you don't have? Because that's a good place to be, is it not? 
Because now all of a sudden what you have to do is you have to say, all right, I put it into your hands. Because all I got is five and two. A few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. That's all I have. Now we're in good shape. So maybe you feel overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Maybe you feel spent. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your feelings of guilt for not being the parent you thought you should be. You're saying, I just don't have it. I need you, Jesus. I need your forgiveness. I need your hope. I need your strength. I need your love. Fill in the blank. I need you, Jesus. Let Jesus take whatever you have and he'll bless it. Because you know what? You can't buy it. I can't buy patience. I can't buy more love. I can't buy more strength. I can't buy more endurance. But you know what? It can happen. I can give him the little tiny idiot's bit that I have and he can bless it. And when he blesses it, good things are going to happen. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the grass. Remember Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in what? Green pastures. All through this psalm, and I have a sermon on this on this same passage where I outline exactly how it corresponds to the 23rd Psalm. It's all there. Different sermon, different time. But I just want you to know that he commanded them all to sit down on green grass. And actually in the Greek, the word sit down means to recline. They didn't sit down. They actually reclined because you know what the shepherd does? The shepherd makes you lie down on green grass. And that's actually what the text says. It made him recline. So they sat down in groups uh, by hundreds and by fifties. My wife is saying I need to go back. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Do you see that? What are they doing? They're giving it, aren't they? And didn't Jesus say that I want you to give give them food? They said, no, we have to buy it. Jesus said, I'm going to give it to you. We have to buy it. I'm going to give it to you. So when you are at your wit's end, when you have nothing left, when you're hungry and when you're tired and you have no resources, give it to Jesus because you can't buy it. You can't buy it in a book. You can't buy it on a tape. You can't buy it. You can only give it. And when you give it to Jesus, he makes it possible for you to give to others and to give to others abundantly. And he divided the two fish among them all. Now the fish in the Sea of Galilee, I guarantee you, are not salmon. Okay? My son caught a 15-pound salmon, and uh, eight of us ate that for two days. These are little trout-sized, small trout-sized fish. And he divided it amongst the 12. You know how much everybody was giving? They're getting a portion about that big. I'm sure at this point they're thinking, okay, Where is this going? Sure, we'll give it to people, but we ain't giving them much. 
They don't see it yet. They don't yet trust that Jesus does, in fact, know he's doing. So when God asks you to do something, you think, but I don't have what it takes. Trust him. All I have is this much. Trust him. You can't buy it, but it can be blessed. And the little bit that you have when it's blessed by Jesus can feed thousands of people. Thousands of people. It's remarkable. I want to tell you an interesting story. Immediately after World War II, the Allied armies gathered up many hungry and homeless children, and they placed them in large camps. The children were abundantly fed and cared for. However, at night, they did not sleep well. The children could not get to sleep. They seemed restless, and they seemed afraid. Finally, there was a psychologist who hit on a solution. The children were put to bed, and each child received a piece of bread to hold. If they wanted more to eat, then they could get more to eat. But this particular slice of bread was not to be eaten. They had to hold it. That slice of bread produced marvelous results. The children would go to sleep knowing that they would have something to eat tomorrow. And that assurance gave the children calm and peace and rest. We can rest at night because we know that our shepherd is the bread of life. And he has been given to us. And we will always have enough. Not bought, but blessed. Always have enough. And our needs will always be met. So we need to hold on to Jesus. Because he will never forsake you or leave you. You know what the disciples had asked? They had asked him to forsake the, sh- the flock, right? Tell them to go away. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave. I'm the bread they need to hold on to. I am the bread they need to hold on to. And so when we are feeling absolutely spent, we just need to hold on to our bread. And know that we will be fed and that we have enough to feed thousands of others. And so here's how it all ends. Oh, sorry. I, you know what? You you probably need to flick these because this is not working out for me. There's a, there's a, okay. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So add the women, add the children, and you have thousands. Now, here's what I want you to realize in, the, in, in my closing here. First of all, this is a miracle. I have heard preachers, I have heard preachers say the miracle was that everybody brought bread with them and they all ate and shared it with each other. No, that's not what happened. The text is really clear. No one had anything. This is a miracle. But what's so interesting about this miracle is that it makes visible what was invisible. 
It makes visible to the disciples what was invisible to them. And here's what I mean by that. First, Jesus' teaching is the bread that we live by. They need to see that. My teaching is like these loaves of bread. It is plentiful. It is enough. And people can live by my teaching because we don't live by bread alone, but by every word. Two, Jesus' teaching is abundant, is always abundant. It's more than we need. It is so three. Jesus' teaching cannot be exhausted. There's leftovers. We can study the Bible endlessly, and there's always going to be more to learn. I, I and I learn that because every time I preach on the, on, a, on on a passage, I learn new things. It's amazing to me how abundant His Word is. And fourth, Jesus' teaching is satisfying. Which is why it's so important when we go to, to shut in to people that we think are just existing that we bring God's word to them and we read scripture with them. I mean, we can talk about a lot of other things, but be sure at the end that we do that because it is satisfying. And then finally, Jesus can do miraculous things with or, ordinary things. Jesus can do the miraculous with the ordinary. Just fish and it's just bread, and yet it feeds. And Jesus is hoping that the disciples see and understand all this. I don't think they do. And you'll find out why next week. So here are some of my, some of my next steps. One, see, people without Jesus are just existing. Do you know that? Do you believe that? People without Jesus are just existing. See them. Do you know somebody that's just existing? Someone who needs Jesus. Show them compassion by sharing the gospel because sharing the gospel is the greatest act of compassion that we can have. And you know how you see people? Sometimes it's just by listening to them. When somebody knows that you've listened to them, they know that you've seen them. And when, it's, when you're ready, share the gospel with them. Share it through hospitality. Share it through words. But they do need to hear the words. They need to know about Jesus. Two, rest. People will invade your lonely space. People will invade your lonely space, your place of rest. Here's a question. Will you see the ministry opportunity before you? Jesus and his disciples got away to a lonely place. And you know what? Over 5,000 people invaded their lonely place, their campground, so to speak. If it was Andrew, it'd be his campground. But here's the thing. You know when ministry opportunities are at their best? It's when people catch you at a time when you're ready to be alone. Kids at night. You know when kids want to talk? They want to talk at night. Am I right? Come on. That's when kids want to talk because they're just tired enough. 
and they come to you and, and you're kind of getting ready for bed and you're kind of wanting to maybe sit down and watch some TV or something, they go, Dad. And you're thinking, oh, what? Or maybe say, get back in bed. But they're rich ministry opportunities when we're tired. The question is, will we see it? And will we use it? And then finally, last one. Remember, you will not have what it takes. Ask Jesus to bless whatever you have to give. And know in his hands, it will be more than enough. And I do think that's encouraging. Let us pray. Lord, help us to hold on to you like those children had held on to that one piece of bread. Because when they did, they slept. And when we hold on to you, we know that it'll be okay. And we know that when we are exhausted and the end of our rope, that with you, we'll have enough. We'll just have enough. And we'll have enough to give to others, even when we think there's no possible way. And so I pray, Lord, that you would use this text to encourage us to not just exist, but to realize we serve a God of abundance and that we have an abundant life, whether we sit in a chair or whether we're in a coma because there's people around us praying for us or in a nursing home or shut in. Your community, your presence is always with us, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.